You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Happy New Year. It's January 1st, 2020. We've made it through a year of Disney One by One. And today we're here to talk about Big Hero 6. Remember, you can find this show everywhere on the internet at Disney One X One. You can leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. We would love that. And uh, now that Disney Plus is out, you have no excuse not to listen to our back catalog of episodes. You can follow along from from day one. Our first episode was released on yeah January second of twenty nineteen. So we are ex- almost exactly a year in. And uh, there's a lot of episodes to listen to and a lot of movies to watch. And now you have no excuse if you are paying six bucks a month for Disney Plus. So joining me this week, as always, is my, is my brother, David Rolfing. David, we're a year in to this show. Woohoo. <laughs> Congratulations to us. <laughs> Your only reaction is woohoo. <laughs> we'll see if our guest, Eric Peterson, has a better reaction than woohoo. Eric, welcome to Disney One by One. Yes! <laughs> I am so excited, guys. I forgot that we started releasing them in January because we started recording them the previous like July. We did, yeah. I mean, little little behind the scenes information here. Yeah, we recorded our first episode July twenty fourth of twenty eighteen. Wow! But I've done a lot of different projects that have never really been completed or fell through after a few weeks, and so the goal was to create a back catalog. I think we recorded twenty episodes before no we way. before we released anything. Yeah, July 24th. We had recorded 19 episodes before we released it. That is an impressive back catalog. And so that allowed us to not actually have to record weekly because that's so much work. Oh my gosh, yes. And in full disclosure, this is currently December 10th. We're recording this. So, uh, but, uh, you know, a few weeks ahead. Basically, we've pretty much caught up to the back catalog, but <laughs> there's only a few left. So I think I think we'll make it. <laughs> Fingers crossed we'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> Frozen 2 will come out on uh, January 29th. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. So, uh, Eric, it's the new year. Yes. Uh, any grand plans? Any 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 New Year's traditions? Any any resolutions oh, that are just, you're making in 2020? Yeah, just you know the yearly resolution to uh, fail in all New Year's resolutions is uh, <laughs> is I think the the American way. I think so. Yeah, can't wait to can't wait to drop the ball. I mean, literally. Do you have any traditions or anything, or is it just sort of go with the flow and what's what's going on 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 December 31st? Um, yeah, I don't have I don't have too many traditions actually. Um, it's one of the more you know, oh, and then it happened, uh, holidays, uh, for me. Yeah. Trying to think back. I think the craziest new year's I ever had, I was, uh, I was moving over to New Zealand and, uh, it was December 31st in the airplane and for 10 minutes or something, whatever it takes to cross over the dateline, it was January 1st and we were all celebrating in the airplane and then you could snap your fingers and it was January 2nd. It was, it was gone. <laughs> it was gone like that. It was, yeah, that's <laughs> it was the most weird. depressing thing ever. A day just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> we're all like, oh, wow. That was, huh. that was great. Well, and speaking of New Zealand, I haven't had a chance to thank you for connecting us to Jeremy Vargo. 
who was on our uh, Rescuers Down Under episode. And again, on Lilo and Stitch, he's, he was a fantastic guest and really, really fun guy to meet. He's the best. He, he deserves his own podcast. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a character. I love him. But uh, yeah, and, and you listeners, if you've been following along, you heard Eric, our guest here on The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad such and on The Jungle Book. So this is Eric's third appearance here. Didn't you start your own podcast too? I think I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I've actually uh, started a podcast called The Mouthful. And uh, that's where we uh, we cook up some meals and we have a dinner side chat uh, about relevant topics of the day, um, whether it's like autonomous driving or bullying or guns. I mean, we just basically we just pick something out that's really, really relevant. And we just have our friends at the dinner table. It's a good time. I mean, it's it, it's like this little side thing that we started and we're like, wow, this is kind of a fun hobby. I mean, it is not Disney one by one. <laughs> like, you guys are doing some really good content here, but uh, <laughs> we have fun. We have fun. What's the name of it again? The Mouthful with two L's. Nice. Cool. Speaking of the new year, do either of you have any memory of Y2K? I was just thinking about that the other yes. day. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I was seven, so not really. For those of our younger listeners who may not even be aware of that, in, in 1999, there was a huge fear that when rudimentary computer systems switched over from 99 <laughs> to 00 in their date, whatever you call it, databases, yeah. that everything would go haywire and freak out and every computer and microchip would die and we'd go back into the into the you know the stone age yeah i think it was every pc computer i think like max had this thing built in where they they their year went so far into the future that it actually wasn't like a problem but it was like every other computer it was like all your banking stuff would crash and like everything so people were just like losing their power minds. plants would explode yeah because no one actually knew what would happen everyone legitimately thought no. something like there were t i remember tv commercials i remember this guy went Went to the ATM, pulled all the money out of the ATM, and then Y2K hit, and the bank statement read like three million dollars or something like that. Like, it was the weirdest commercial, but it was just like there was pandemonium during that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a whole industry behind stockpiling food. Mm. You know, the people were selling survival kits and boxes of non-perishable, <laughs> you know, like crates and, and pallets of non-perishable items my, that people would, my wife's would mom store and in their brother, basement. They started like a survival kit business. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's kind of cool. Actually. I remember, it didn't last really? long, but I think that was around Y2K. Oh, man. I, I remember going down in the basement and turning on my computer, and then I was like, yes, it works. And then yeah. like I remember like neighbors came outside with pots and pans and were like banging them and everything like that. And I was just like, this is nuts. This is crazy. Yeah. It was I have weird. two distinct memories of, you know, December 31st, 1999. I remember our dad, David, he did not buy into the stockpiling food, but I remember he <laughs> bought like a like a Sam's Club sized box of crunch bars and like a case of water. <laughs> That's what we had. Yeah, but it was we Sam's chocolate size, bars and water. So it would have lasted you probably two years. So you would. Yeah, it was probably like good. 40 bars. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember we had a who wants to be a millionaire computer game, video game mm -hmm. for oh, the man. PC. And I remember we had some of our family over for New Year's and our uncle Jeff was there and <laughs> I challenged him to a game of wants to be a millionaire. Like he played around and then I played around and he, he walked away on the $500,000 question. You know, you don't walk away on a video game. <laughs> yeah, it's, a video like, it's not game. real Come money. On. Thinking, thinking that I wouldn't make it that far. <laughs> and then I being the conniving little 10 year old. No. Well, how old was I? Whatever. I can't do that. <laughs> 13 year old. Right. 
Yeah, that's about right. I had played the game enough that I knew almost all of the questions by heart. And so I won a million dollars after he walked away at 500,000. He was so pissed. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> wow. It it seems like another lifetime ago that that much I, I feel in this present moment. Thank you, Mike, for making me feel so, so old, yep. so old. We are now in 2020, unless all the computers died in between us recording this <laughs> and, and releasing it. We don't actually know what's going to happen. Perhaps the power plants will explode and uh, the space station will crash and <laughs> whatever else. So. Oh, man. All right. Other than that, I, I mean, I think the last couple of years I haven't even made it up to midnight. I have a baby now. So it's like. I mean, that's that's very true. Like it's getting can, harder yeah. and harder every single year. That, that much I've felt like very viscerally, like just like, oh, man, midnight. Yeah. Yikes. No, I'm pretty sure last year we went to a party and left at like 10 and then went to sleep. I love that feeling like at nine o'clock where you're like, it's got to be 11. And like all those shows that are on ABC and NBC and all the Times Square stuff, it's so obnoxious. And it's, it's just the like, same thing every year. It's the year. same thing every single year. It's Jenny McCarthy and, and Ryan Seacrest. Just, I tell you, the, cr- the thing I will never, ever, ever do is go to Times Square on New Year's. It seems like the worst. Oh, claustrophobia. And just what a nightmare to get out of there. Well, and with all the security measures now, once you enter the zone, you cannot leave. What? If you leave, you cannot return. Oh my god! And so, they all people go down there at like six a.m. and they wear they literally wear diapers. Oh my! Because gosh. there's no bathrooms. That is so disgusting. <laughs> I, just... I know. Hold it. No, I would <laughs> you would <diaper>. hold it. <laughs> yeah. You just That's not a long eat or time. drink the entire six a.m. to midnight. I mean, maybe with enough willpower, you could. But I mean, obviously, if, if you like you're feeling sick, you just got to leave or whatever. But, You've obviously um, never eaten enough cheese uh, to just completely do havoc to your system, Mike. And I mean, you, you just won't go to the bathroom for days after that. I guess you, there's ways to prepare, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that just I mean, people do it. Oh. I doubt I doubt it's New Yorkers doing it. It's all people coming from out of town. I'm glad we've had the same thought. Like, that just seems like the last possible thing I would want to do. Yeah. Period. I think the New Yorkers all list their homes on Airbnb and get out of there. <laughs> some pro- yeah. Make some make some money off of it. Absolutely. That's what I would do. All right. Well, we're not talking about New York. We're talking about San Francisco this week. Yeah. So uh, with that, we'll move on to Big Hero 6. And now, our feature presentation. All right. Let me get this straight. A man in a kabuki mask attacked you with an army of miniature flying robots. Microbots? B-Max, tell them. Yes, officer. Ah! Microbots? Yeah, he was controlling them telepathically with a neurocranial transmitter. Come on! I am not fast. Yeah, no kidding! Go, 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 go! Big Hero 6. This movie is directed by Don Hall and Chris Williams. The movie tells the story of Hiro Hamada, a young robotics prodigy who forms a superhero team to combat a masked villain. After Disney's acquisition of Marvel in 2009, CEO Bob Iger encouraged the company's various divisions to explore Marvel's properties um, for adaptation concepts. So, While directing Winnie the Pooh, director Don Hall was scrolling through the Marvel database he now had access to when he stumbled upon Big Hero 6, a comic he'd never heard before, but he, quote, just liked the title. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it took. And so he pitched the concept to John Lasseter in 2011 as one of five ideas for possible animation productions. And this particular idea, quote, struck a chord with the executives 
And uh, because they wanted the concept to feel new and fresh, the head of story on this movie and the screenwriter only read a few issues of the comic. And actually, the screenwriter said he'd never even read the comic at all. They wanted to just take the general idea and just make their own story out of it. Oh, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Uh So (laughs) this movie was produced uh, solely by Walt Disney Animation Studios and not Marvel though there were some Marvel folks involved, so whatever, they always mix and match. But it was it's a Walt Disney Animation Studios film. It is not a Marvel movie. I don't think there's even a Marvel logo at the top of it. Uh, no, no, there's not. No, no. At, at least not on the Disney Plus version that I watched. Yeah. So. I didn't know it was Marvel until you just said it was yeah. Marvel. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, and the production team decided early on not to connect this movie to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They wanted to just stand alone, so there's no reference to Iron Man or Spider-Man or Captain America or Thor Hulker, well, Ant-Man, whoever else I'm missing. <laughs> Early on in the development process, the director, the director Hall and, des- and the design team took a research trip to Carnegie Mellon University's Robotics Institute, where they met a team of researchers who were pioneering the new field of soft robotics, which was using inflatable vinyl uh, surrounding robotic parts, which inspired Baymax's inflatable vinyl, truly huggable design. Mm. I, the Baymax is also in the comic. I looked up the comic, but not in great detail. But I assume they changed it at least a little bit, considering they they were inspired by this research. Considering trip. they didn't read it at all. <laughs> yeah, considering they didn't read it at all. Uh, there was a fun little behind the scenes video that I saw on YouTube where they were talking about how they were they were trying to figure out how Baymax would walk, and they settled on like a toddler with a full diaper. <laughs> <laughs> I read like a baby penguin. Yeah, well, that would no, that was one of their references. Oh. And then they said, I saw an interview where they said we we looked at penguins, we looked at this and that, and we settled on, on a toddler, but not just a toddler, a toddler with a full diaper. In terms of the film's animation style and settings, the the movie combines Eastern world culture, predominantly Japanese, with Western world culture, predominantly California. In May 2013, Disney released concept art and rendered footage of San Francisco from the film. This is something they just made up. San Francisco, the the comic book takes place in Tokyo, Hmm. but they decided they wanted to do a futuristic mashup, an alternate version of San Francisco. I liked it. I I liked it a lot, too. Wow, it was cool. Is it looks just like San Francisco? I don't know if you've been to. Have oh, you been yeah, to San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. and that shot, that opening shot where it comes in off the bay and like that—that's an actual building in San Francisco. Yeah, it says Port of San Francisco, none. Yes. you know, and it's just—it's so cool to see them take actual things and just tweak it a little bit so that people who have been there, it's just really familiar to them. I thought that was yeah. so brilliant. It's an incredible render of the city. I'll get into that in a minute. Oh, man. Why couldn't they just keep it Japanese, though? Like, why do you have to whitewash it, Disney? Um, I don't know. I don't know how white, whitewashed it was. <laughs> I mean... There was a lot. There was heavy, heavy, there was heavy Japanese, Japanese stuff. influence. Yes, there was. Yeah. If anything, it felt like they took San Francisco and just sprayed it all over Tokyo. <laughs> I thought it was too good of an idea for them to even come up with. I thought it came from the comic book. Mm-hmm. You know how a lot of good things come from the books and from the comics? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like, this is super clever. I would never think of this. Uh, it was great. Apparently, the filmmaker's idea was that San Francisco is based on an alternate history in which San Francisco was largely built by Japanese immigrants mm-hmm. in the aftermath of the 1906 earthquake. Wow. Although they never mentioned that in the movie. That was sort of their backstory to the city, which is pretty cool. Huh. Yeah, like an unspoken um, thing. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. To create the city as a detailed digital simulation of an entire city. They purchased the actual assessor data for the entire city of San Francisco 
and like scan it in and use it as their reference. No way. Um, the final city that they built in computers contains 83,000 buildings and 100,000 vehicles. The rendering on that must have been a nightmare. <laughs> Well, that's what I will talk about. <laughs> so they developed this software or the system. I'm not sure exactly what it is called. Hyperion. Mm. And I'm going to read all these words. I don't know what they mean, but <laughs> they're based uh, upon research into multi-bounce and complex global illumination. Disney, in turn, had to assemble a new supercomputing cluster just to handle this Hyperion's immense processing demands. Oh, my gosh. They had 2,300 Linux workstations distributed across four data centers in L.A. and San Francisco. Each workstation included a pair of 2.4 gigahertz uh, processors, 256 gigabytes of memory per uh, workstation, and a pair of 300 gigabyte solid-state drives. So each computer had their own 600 gigabyte solid-state drives. Wow. Um, out of... 2,300 computers. What? This was all backed up in a central storage system with a capacity of five petabytes. Oh my gosh. Which also holds all digital assets of every archived movie of the 54 Disney animated films. <laughs> <laughs> so they created this massive data system to store all this big Hero 6 stuff, but also to store all of their a- archives. The actual well. vault, if you will. Yes. Yeah is uh, five petabytes. I don't even know what that means. Petabytes. Man, I remember when terabytes were a big thing. Is a petabyte a thousand terabytes, Dave? Yeah, it is. So 5,000 terabytes. Oh my gosh. It is amazing. I mean, it's obvious. It's just the way technology works. But I have a, at work, I have a solid state two terabyte drive Mm. that is like the size of this remote control. I mean, it's like three inches by, by, you know, like four inches. It's insane. Yeah. I remember when little thumb drives were a half a gig and they cost a hundred dollars. Well, I, re- or more. I, I recently got a thumb drive. Uh, I recently had it tested because I did not believe it, but it is two terabytes inside this little thing. Oh, a thumb drive. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And and, and it's like I mean yeah, like you said. I remember when they were five hundred and twelve megabytes. Yeah. <laughs> or or less than that. Right. I remember buying like a two hundred fifty six megabyte drive for like. Way more than what like a eight terabyte external oh, cost right God, now. God, Mike, we're dating ourselves here. But uh, we're not quite to to Big Hero Six levels. Yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the cast of this movie, a lot of lesser known folks and a few recognizable names. Baymax is played by Scott Adsit. I recognize the guy's face, but I'd not heard the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, Hero is played by a guy named Ryan Potter. Tadashi by Daniel Henney. Fred by T.J. Miller. I know. I know yeah, T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller. Wasabi played by Damon Wayans Jr., one of the Wayans brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honey Lemon is played by Genesis Rodriguez. I'm not sure who that is. Robert Callahan is played by James Cromwell. He's a pretty famous old actor. And uh, Alistair Cray is played by Alan Tudyk, who can do no wrong. Alan, he's, and he's love in, Alan. He's in pretty much every Disney movie after. He's probably in Winnie the Pooh somewhere. He does many voices. I did not know that. I mean, I knew he did a lot of voices. I just didn't know he was uh, in a lot of Disney movies, actually. Uh, I mean, he does the chicken in Moana. He's oh he's he's King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph. Oh man, he probably does a voice in Frozen. I don't know. He's just one of those yeah. guys who's just around. Yeah, he's like, you say Alan Tudyk. Yeah, I'm a big Tudyk he, fan. He was Duke of Wesselton in Frozen. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah, there that I that I knew. Yeah, yeah, he was really great in that. And he's uh, what's the the droid in the Solo movie? Han Solo movie. Oh yeah. No, that was in Rogue One. Sorry, Rogue One. Yeah, sorry. He, he's the droid in Rogue One. Uh, K2SO. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the music in this movie, Henry Jackman wrote the score. You've heard his work in Wreck-It Ralph and Winnie the Pooh from 2011. 
And we get the song Immortals by Fall Out Boy. And that's about it for music. There's a little cameo of Eye of the Tiger, but no singing in this movie besides that Immortal song. And uh, this is certainly not a musical. They did not decide to turn a Marvel movie into a musical, but I would like to see that at some point. <laughs> I'd, I'd take uh, Fat Thor the musical. <laughs> uh, otherwise Just, known as uh, Dude Thor. Yeah. Yeah, Dude Dude Thor the musical. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. This movie premiered October 23rd, 2014 at the Tokyo International Film Festival. So at least, there you go, Dave. At least they premiered it in Tokyo. Nice. And it's it's... Th- 3D premiere was October 31st, 2014. So Halloween 2014 had premiered in 3D at the Abu Dhabi Film Festival. Wow. Jeez, this movie would have been crazy in 3D. Yeah. And then it was released in the United States on November 7th, 2014. Big Hero 6 earned $222.5 million in North America, $435 million in other territories for a grand total of $657.8 million. Worldwide, it was the highest-grossing animated film of 2014. The top movies of 2014 were... Number five was Transformers Age of Extinction, then the Lego movie, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, and the number one movie of 2014 was Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, man. There's some good movies. Which is also Disney and Marvel, so they're doing just fine. Yeah. Awards season, this won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. It was up against Box Trolls, How to Train Your (laughs) Dragon 2, Song of the Sea, and the Tale of Princess Kaguya. There are all sorts of various video games, comic books, toys. They made a comic book series based on the movie that is based on a comic book series. Oh, that's weird. I was trying to think of other things that have done that. Yeah. Little Shop of Horrors did that. Little Shop of Horrors was a was a movie, like a black and white kind of horror movie mm-hmm. that was then turned into a stage musical, an off-Broadway musical. And then Frank Oz made a movie version of the stage musical Rick that was based on the play. The Walking Dead was based on a comic series, and I'm pretty sure they updated the comics after the show came out to reflect those characters. Man, this 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 movie had so much potential for like everything. Yes. Just like yes. you could have had toys for days, video games for days, comics, TV show ad- adaptations. Like, yeah. oh my gosh! Well, there was a TV series. Oh, in March 2016, Disney announced that Big Hero Six would have a television series. And uh, it premiered in 2017. David, you said it's on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, I searched Big Hero Six, and the movie, the TV series, and a shorts, a few shorts came up on the first results. And the series takes place immediately after the events of the movie, so I might check it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, those that, episodes would write themselves, like, yeah, <laughs> just like a bunch of superheroes. They have a problem, they solve it with Baymax. It's like, I mean, it's every Disney <laughs> procedural that's ever been made. <laughs> And then as far as theme parks go, all I could think of is there, at least for a time, was a Baymax and Hero meet and greet at Epcot. Yeah. Definitely at Epcot. There may have been one in California as well. And they had the someone in a giant Baymax yeah, costume. Yeah, that would be a really easy them. costume. Yeah. There's some, there's some fun videos of that on YouTube of the Baymax meet and greet. The TV show is on Disney XD. Um. Only one season out. So it's very kiddy. Just skimming through it. So I'm not sure if we would be the target audience for well, that. We can try it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're missing their mark on uh, a uh, roller coaster ride for Big Hero Six, where the uh, roller coaster are just those little beads. 
Yeah, yeah. They're, they're missing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, we'll see if the Imagineers can create that. <laughs> M- microbots in Tomorrowland. <laughs> yeah, actually. That's not bad. It has cool potential for some sort of dark ride simulator combo. Like, you go through the different scenes of the movie and you see the, the convention where he reveals the the microbots and then maybe you end up in some sort of simulator where you're flying over San Francisco. Yeah. The the joke, and it's really not a joke because it's probably true. But the joke is, is like Disney won't make anything in their theme parks that uh, based on anything that didn't make less than a billion dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is really honestly true. I mean, they made a Frozen ride because Frozen made billions of dollars. You know, they're, they're making all this Star Wars stuff, but you got to you got to cross that threshold if you want a, a presence in the theme I mean, parks. At least for at least a Disney major movie, one. it was pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. You don't hear people talk about it a lot, and I'm not sure why. It's really oh, fun. I I mean, I'll probably get into this more, but I mean, it was when it came out, it was so hot, and not not like I'm not talking like in a cultural way. Just like I remember watching that and being like, that was so much fun. I want more of this, and I was so happy. You know, like every nephew or niece like picks a movie that they watch a billion times, and my nephew watched. He his favorite movie was Big Hero Six, and I was like, nice. let's watch it all the time. Could be worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I watched it like six times with my nephew. I mean, I barely had to do a rewatch. So. <laughs> So, Eric, you just kind of mentioned it, but any more about your history with Big Hero 6? When was the last time you'd seen this movie? Um, Yeah, probably actually with my nephew, to be honest. Uh, that was probably two or three years ago. Or no, it would probably be like three or four years ago now. I forgot how many years I've been living in Colorado. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah. I remember just watching this on the couch with him and like Baymax was his favorite thing. Like he's just like Baymax this and Baymax that. And I was just like, this is such a wholesome, fun, exciting thrill ride of a movie that like, I mean, there's not like a whole lot of it. Like there's some adult themes with like death and, and, and stuff. And, you know, they actually they actually do it in a really good way, even though it's kind of an intense thing to, thing yeah. to happen I mean, to they, a main they character. They jump right into yeah, it. Yeah, they do. And it's, I mean, not only with certain things, <laughs> I don't know how much we're talking about in this, in, about the movie. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Okay. I mean, not only not only are they dealing with the death of a sibling, but I mean, they're dealing with the even like right before that, they're dealing with the death of parents and like all this other stuff. And it's just like, wow, this is um, heavier than usual. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sitting here uh, searching for Baymax Funko Pops. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, I was trying to see if they have a Baymax Funko Funko toy. I mean, that that seems like an obvious choice right there. Uh, they do, but they're they're I think they're out of print, so they're expensive. Oh. There's one that's twenty five dollars is too much for a Funko Pop. I'm not buying that. Yeah. <laughs> I have no um, idea. They they should be like ten. Oh, okay. Here's a Wally. Isn't that Wally's kind of cool. <laughs> All right, David, what's your history with Big Hero Six? I don't think I'd seen it before, but then I recognized a few of like the initial scenes, the the first robot battle I think I'd seen, but it was probably on TV or something and I caught glimpses, but definitely didn't really know what it was about or any of the major plot points. So basically my first time seeing it. I definitely had seen this before. I'm trying to figure out when and where. This may have been, as I mentioned in the Princess and the Frog episode, one of the many movies that I got in the mail from Netflix back when that was more of a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. DVD, Netflix. So good. And I used to keep track. I had like a... I'm, I'm clicking through Facebook right now. I had a note. You know, you used to be able to like post notes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. 
where I kept track of all the movies that I watched. I'm getting warmer. I'm getting warmer. I'm getting warmer. This movie came out in 2014? Yes. There wasn't still Netflix DVDs being mailed out. There still is. They still do it. What? Oh, yeah. You can still have the Netflix DVD subscription. I had no idea that was still going. I mean, they have a really, really big movie library. It's dvd.netflix.com. It's a separate website, but you can still sign up for it. The pro- I was signed up for it for a long time. They have a much larger catalog. And yeah, as, soon as, a, as soon as a movie comes out on DVD, they would have mm-hmm. it because they're not bogged down by streaming contracts and licenses and yada, yada, yada. They would just buy the disc and they'd ship it to you. I only stopped it because the warehouse that was in St. Louis somewhere closed. And so instead of my discs being sent somewhere like, you know, down the street, it would, it, I had to ship them back to Kansas City every time. <laughs> and so the, and so the delay, yeah, I'd lose a lot of days. If I, if you're wow. trying to get as many in a month or whatever, it started like not being efficient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you switched to Redbox. Uh, I do. I do go to Redbox. Redbox lot, is yes. great. <laughs> I got a movie for Redbox today. I got a uh, <laughs> shout out to Redbox. I got Good Boys. Have you seen the trailer for this movie? Oh, yes. No. It's an R-rated movie with like 10-year-olds. <laughs> and it's got Jacob Tremblay, that boy that was in the that was in Room that was like Oscar nominated for that movie. He's like a really good actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh it just it looks super silly. I wanted to watch it. <laughs> anyway. This is rated R? Yeah. It's Weird. they just like curse like crazy. It's like a bunch of little little boys just dropping F bombs and stuff. <laughs> it's like super eight. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So I found my movies that I watched recently, note, but it only goes into 2012. Oh, bummer. But I bet Princess and the Frog is on here. Let's see if I was right. Princess and the Frog. Yes, I watched Princess and the Frog on April 24th, <laughs> 2010. Man, I watched a lot of movies this year. Wow. Phenomenal. Yeah, I think I've seen, I've definitely had seen this before. It, a lot of it looked very familiar. I do not know if it was in the theater or if it was at home on a Netflix disc. Hmm. So with that, Eric, you've watched Big Hero 6 again. Yeah. Yes. Let's start talking. What were your initial thoughts upon watching oh, it? Oh, man. I mean, like, where do I start? Like, this movie was so crisp and clean and, like, I was not expecting, like, you know that, like, chase scene where, like, his brother is, like, saving him from the bot battle and, like, there's, like, these, these like, tight zooms like like an actual camera is like following them and like zooming in on things and like they were doing things with animation that like is usually reserved for film i haven't (laughs) really kept up with some of the more recent ones before this one but this was a movie where i was just like man everything looks so good like the fog like they nailed like san francisco fog like down with like how everything kind of has like a little bit of a haze and the tokyo everything's got like a neon glow wow this it looked so good like the music was so intense and thematic and man like i said it was just like it was one thing after the next and it was just like it never stopped punching and um i i'm a i'm a big fan of this film like i i didn't remember too many things that I disliked about it. I mean, I, I might after I hear what you guys have to say about it because I'm trying to remember some of the uh, criticisms I had about the movie. I know, I noticed the camera work as well. Yeah. They had a, they had lens flares and some, even some like some dirty lenses and some things I noticed, you know, like some particles on the glass kind of they thing. They probably had shaky cam or something like that. They had a lot of shaky cam. I think it seemed like, I'm, I'm kind of flipping through it right now. Probably not wholly, but they very much shot this like it was with real cameras, it looks like. A lot of handheld, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of 
rack focuses, a lot of angles that you would shoot with a real camera as opposed to just like yeah. an omniscient camera flying around 3D space. Now they have some of that because some yeah. of these action sequences are ridiculous. But a lot of the stuff with the characters in houses, mm-hmm. wherever they are in, in different locations, definitely feels like there's a camera guy behind it. And they would have like really big thematic shots, just like panoramas. Like they had some beautiful still, like you could just pause it and it would just be stunning. Part of this part of this movie actually felt like one of my favorite films, um, The Incredibles. And like, I think that might have been something that I was drawing from. I was just like, this feels really kind of like just like go, go, go. And, and I know that that movie is also kind of like superhero, but um, I really loved the aesthetic, the kind of like feel like they were trying to grab, like they knew what they were trying to make it feel like and they nailed it. Um, much in the way that like in The Incredibles, it was like this kind of like retro kind of superhero kind of movie. And they like totally nailed that. I, I like I got what Big Hero 6 was trying to do. And I was like, wow, this is it's great. It's perfect. And it, every shot in the city, there's always so much going on when they're out on the streets. Right. There's buses going by and trains going by and cable cars going by. A lot of energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. In the, in the environment. I think... You know, compared to The Incredibles, which I thought of that too, just because it's also a superhero movie, but it looks better than The Incredibles. Just skimming through some of these shots, like the backgrounds and the detail and the buildings and the brick and everything, it looks incredible. Incredible. Uh, well, also, The Incredibles came out in 2004. This is this is pretty f- Well, I'm even thinking that. of Incredibles 2 right. from oh, okay. this past summer. Yeah. Yeah. Really impressed with the animation here. And just the lighting and like the the first scene where they have the robot battle and they kind of slow it down and yeah. just mask everything out with the fog around it so it looks like they're giant robots oh, so which, good and i didn't know they were tiny robots because i hadn't really seen <laughs> yeah, it that before was so good. that was such a good little little trick of the camera there I like that too yeah so david what else for your initial reaction upon watching big hero six what'd you think of the character development oh. you're so focused on that (laughs) that's that's david's big big deal yeah (laughs) eric a loyal listener i don't know i really liked the (laughs) the brotherly dynamic Mm. between hero and his older brother i forget the name of the brother that died and i also i thought that he might not actually be dead since they revealed the villain wasn't actually dead either but unfortunately he was dead david at the top of the show i forgot to say the hero to my tadashi Oh yes, David Rolfing. So there They're you go. Probably, the age gap is pretty similar too. Yep. <laughs> Six yeah, years. Yeah, you got you You're wearing a cap there, Mike. Are you? Are you? Uh, are you? Are you gonna die? Are you gonna leave that cap no. behind? <laughs> <laughs> Don't run into the fire. Oh yeah, David. You bring up a really good point. Like. I remember the first time I was, this is, this is initial reaction. I remember from the first time I watched this, I remember the first time I watched this, I was, I was thinking that same thing. I was thinking like, wait a minute, is he dead? There were so many like opportunities for twists. I was constantly, constantly trying to figure out who was behind the mask. But yeah, I was like, who is it? And I remember actually being surprised by who it was. I think he was one of my guesses, but like, I actually thought it was the brother. I straight up thought it was the brother. I mean, there were only three options really. (laughs) And I'm already, I'm already weary of this of this twist we talked about it last week and we talked about it the week before in wreck it ralph there's a twist on who the bad guy is it's king candy and then in frozen it's a twist it's forget the guy's name christoph or whatever <laughs> no the other guy i forget his name big hero six. Oh my gosh there's a twist they do the same in ralph breaks the internet maybe 
They do it a lot in the Pixar movies. Uh, they do it in Coco. Well, King Candy turns into being Turbo. Yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever. They so, do it in Coco, yeah. and if you're going Pixar, they do it in Toy Story 2. They do it in Toy Story 3. They do it in Incredibles does it, too. Every single one of these has, like, a bad guy twist. So, Mike, you like, you like a villain that's like, oh, there's the evil witch, kind of know where she stands. I mean... Twists are depends. good, but when they do it the depends. same twist every movie, yes, it's exactly. not really a yeah, twist. That's exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, Maleficent's pretty great. You don't need Maleficent every time, but you also don't need the same twist every single time. <laughs> Especially I'd rather just have eight. a straight up bad person. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess if it happens enough times in a row, it kind of gets an all a little annoying. Back to the villain guy. I feel like the ragtag group of superheroes should not have been able to take him on whatsoever his powers were so powerful and like the girl with the little purse throwing little blobs and stuff like he could have taken half of them out (laughs) immediately so that was kind of unrealistic yeah and i mean they didn't take him out at first you know they failed pretty miserably so yeah yeah but there were no real consequences ever like nobody ever got hurt and even the bad guy didn't actually get hurt because Baymax wouldn't punch him in the face yeah. or anything. Yeah. So I would need I need violence. Come on. You need violence? There's so there's so much death in this movie. It's ridiculous. Well, <laughs> <laughs> besides the brother, I mean, yeah, I mean, no active death, I guess. But it, you know, his parents are dead, and then his brother dies, and it's yeah, like, true, wow, true, this true, is true. a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Baymax dies. I guess they just remake him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That little hum you just did sounded like Wolf of Wall Street. Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, da, da, da. What's the hum they do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget. I forget what it is. But we you were like in the right. You were like in the right key. It sounded just like it. It was unintentional. Yeah. Well, Matthew McConaughey cameo there. Hey, my biggest gripe with this movie and it's not that big of a deal but i'm just gonna say it because we're analyzing it is i do not believe that that boy could come up with the things that he's inventing oh so quickly could have created 18 trash cans full of microbots in like three nights time in his garage okay that i okay that is my critique actually i remember thinking (laughs) that on the rewatch uh just 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 now um i remember thinking that i was like i remember what he does but then as i'm watching it for i had this original thought for the first time in watching it six times i was like how did he get the materials for this? Yes. How did he yes. get anything for this? The materials for any of that like, stuff. Like, like it just it, he opens Baymax's the thing and they're just there out of out of knowledge, out of the power of his brain. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Where did any of this material come from? And he is not rich. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, his brother's at that fancy school, but still, I'm like on scholarship, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's 12 bins full in his garage after the time lapse showing him making it, but it doesn't show any of the raw materials coming no, in. No, it doesn't. Also didn't see him pee, so I mean, he must have had a diaper on, you know. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Callback. He probably has an invention that, you know, special diaper. <laughs> Should have put that at the center. Permanent, permanant catheter. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um. <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> Pain. I will say though, his presentation 
of the microbots in front of the crowd is really cool. That must have been really fun to storyboard and create that. Yeah. yeah. The animators had a, had a good time with that. Yeah, yeah, but he should have fallen off immediately after surfing on those bots because there's no way he practiced that. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he, he did that flawlessly. There should have been more mistakes in his presentation. Well, and the one giant flaw of the presentation is the bots, like, build a tower out of nothing. <laughs> No, I think like, I think they're grabbing that, materials that come from? and like where'd that come from? It's not I think, on the stage. I think, it was behind the, I think it was behind the stage, and they were like grabbing it and like putting it together. No. And... Okay. What do you mean? Wait, they build like that metal yeah, tower. Yeah, he stands on, and then he walks off of it, and they carry him. Uh, yeah, it builds yeah. a nanobot tower, whatever they're called. But then the tower of 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 little robots builds a like tower out of metal, <laughs> out of nowhere. Well, <laughs> Metal in this universe is really easy to come by, apparently, because you made the microbots out of that special black metal, too. If you missed it, we are nitpicking the crap out of this film <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there. I mean, what did you have any did you have anything else that you thought it didn't really deliver on or or was kind of weak? I, the only other thing is I felt it was too long. Hmm. I feel like they could have cut 15 minutes from okay. it. And it would have made it a stronger movie. I felt I, I can't think of a specific moment, but it just seemed like it dragged in a few places to me. I feel like all of the more recent movies, Wreck It Ralph, Frozen, and this movie all have the runtime around like an hour forty. Yeah, I mean, Dumbo is what like seventy minutes long. Not that not That's not that like they should all be seventy minutes long, but it's great and it's short and sweet and it's like it gets its point across and it's done. And and this is an hour and forty three minutes. Long. It's just. Long. I mean, maybe maybe it's longer than than other Disney movies, but there was a lot of development that was going on, and especially like I remember the scene where he's like taking his anger out on Baymax, and he's just like, "I want you to kill, I want you to destroy," and it's just like you could feel like all of this stuff was like building, and like you could feel that he was getting to this point where he wanted revenge after like what had happened, and he wasn't only taking it out for his brother but like his parents and like there was so much loss in his life where he just was like i need i need to feel better about this and he was going about it in the wrong wrong way and it like this was a scene and baymax was a person that was like cathartically kind of delivering this moment to him and i thought i, I don't know i thought it was really powerful yeah i i kind of wanted I was on his side. I kind of wanted him to get that revenge. Right, right. <laughs> this guy killed his brother, and then the, his friends all stop him from Baymax going ham on this guy and taking him out or whatever he's going to do. But, yeah, I thought that was a powerful scene as well when he, like, finally has his revenge, and then he gets away, which is frustrating. Yeah. All right. Well, so it hasn't seemed like that long, but we've been talking for 51 minutes. So I think a lot of that is uh, Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's part of the deal. Uh, Eric, we can start wrapping it up. We can give some final thoughts and uh, we need a rating system. So what, what should we rate Big Hero 6 out of? Oh, my gosh. I... Um... I, before recording this, I was like, I'm going to have this ready because everyone else kind of doesn't think about it. And I just did it. <laughs> Why does that always happen on this podcast? No one ever like is ready for it. They never do. 
And I cut out a lot of the pondering. Oh, good. Thank God. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I've got, I've got something. It might not be good, but uh, we're going to rate this out of 10. Oh, nice. I love that line. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mike, my nephew loves that line, too. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fun. All right. So, Eric, uh, give us your rating out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> And and give us your final. <laughs> That's thoughts, exactly please. why I chose that, Mike, so I could hear you say it <laughs> six times on this podcast. All right. Um, ooh, I really, really liked this film. So, gosh, I want to give it. It's not a nine. I want to say probably eight point five. Blah Luz. Gosh, I can't even say it. I know what I'm saying too. <laughs> final thoughts. Anything you haven't brought up yet? I think this is sequel worthy. Yeah, I really enjoyed the ride and the look and the aesthetic and the world that they created. And so I was like, man, I, I, I didn't really want it to end. I was kind of in the opposite camp that you were in. I, I thought it was like really great and the length was really great. And yeah, I could I could join into that world again. All right, David, out of 10, blah, I think what do you I would give it six. <laughs> like a... Uh... 7.9 balalalas. That was that was good. <laughs> Baymax says it really slowly. He's like balalalala. So, yeah, 7.9. Yeah, I think it deserves a sequel as well and I think they could have I don't know. This one the story is focused on that bad guy and like the mystery of who it was and everything mm-hmm. which again, like I said the same thing with Frozen. I thought it was kind of obvious who it was going to be. Um, as in Frozen, the bad guy turned out to be the fiance, which was also obvious. So I don't know. Disney could do better with their twists, but again, they're aimed generally at kids. And they're um, raking in the dough, so they don't really care. They are. <laughs> but I think a sequel could do more with like, I really like the, the, the universe, the city, like we mentioned. Also, just like the ragtag group of superheroes, which they're not really super. It's, they could be more of like a kick-ass group of just superheroes that aren't really good at it so i think they could have had more humor movie kick ass yeah they could have done more with just making them bad at fighting it could have brought in some more humor there and i don't know they could do some more with that in the sequel i think yeah i think i think as like a continuing the franchise so to speak like quote unquote um like they doing like a ducktales type of like procedural where it's just like they actually make it less kitty. Um, that would be a great TV show. Just kind of like one episode to the next, to the next, to the next. And and they could really kind of develop that world and character. I think better maybe than a movie sequel, but yeah. And then one last thought, I really don't like the fallout boy song in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> following the theme. That's fine. That's allowed. Following the theme of Disney to put a very disconcerting song at the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Been doing it for decades. decades. Mike, what's your rating? And you have to do a better, you, you to know do a what, better job out than of we 10, did. La, 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 la. <laughs> I give it... I'll go 7.5 ba la 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 las out of 10 ba la 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 las. <laughs> Thank you. Bravo, bravo. You hit the six. <laughs> it's, this is really, this movie's really fun. It's not like, it doesn't feel that Disney to me. I mean, it's definitely a superhero Marvel y kind of thing. I love the world that's been established, as we've talked about 
quite a bit on this episode. I think the San Francisco is very, very clever and very creative and so just dense in a, in a, in a great way. Everything is so has so much texture and so much thought put into it physically, but also like emotionally in this movie too. Um, it it comes quick, but it hits hard, and it's it's it definitely makes you really like the character. It really made me want to go to a fictitious place, but also going to San Francisco would make it feel a little bit familiar. I feel so. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, the first building you see when it flies over is I, I ate breakfast in that place a couple summers ago. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> it's like a it's like a farmer's market now. That's cool. Yeah, I was there a couple of years ago. Yeah, they use the the island where Alcatraz is as a location in this movie, and, and they changed the Golden, the Golden Gate, Gate Bridge, Bridge to look more the Golden Japanese Gate Bridge. As yeah, well. and yeah, as we talked about, this is just it's really fun. There's some really fun action sequences, some really fun characters. I love that the that the stoner guy is like lives in this mansion. There's just a lot of really fun fun little things, and really creative, clever sequences. We talked about him proposing the, the the nanobots and the some of the action scenes and some some really fine camera work and yeah, it just it feels different than some of these past ones. Again, it doesn't really feel super Disney, but well, the end that's the fine. End, that's fine if it's fun. Yeah, I was gonna say the end fight felt very Marvel. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, 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 going into different dimensions and it being too complicated <laughs> yeah and over the top and uh, everybody kind of like oh, let's work together and we'll defeat him <laughs> it's like the avengers like it's the avengers <laughs> like <laughs> i really enjoyed it i don't know if it'll make it my top 10 but it's a lot of fun so with that eric peterson happy new year good to happy see you happy new year good to see you <laughs> happy new year david 2020 Woo-hoo. here we Here's come 20s <laughs> the, the rolling 20s the roaring 20s <laughs> David, that was the least enthusiastic thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> 2020, here we come. Yeah. You know, it's hard to be excited about 2020 when you're not in 2020. No, it's, you yeah, had as much enthusiasm as your dog in the background. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good boy. Yeah. David, it's been a pleasure as always. If I could have any superpower right now, it would be to be able to go through that phone and give you a big hug. Aww. Aww. We can, we'll translate that to Google Hangout, which is how we're communicating right now. Tadashi, yes. the love of a brother. <laughs> All right, so this was movie number 54. Coming up next week, we have 55 is Zootopia. And remember, you can find this show everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. Check us out on Instagram. I post a lot on there. Please give us a rating or write us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, Disney Plus, you can follow along with our show. Go back. Find some old movies, watch Three Caballeros, and tell David how wrong he is. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week with Zootopia. See ya. I am satisfied with my care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. <laughs>